Warning, this podcast features graphic content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello again, Nightmare Society, and welcome to another episode of True Horror Stories. Just uh, for warning, this episode does mention some drug use and illicit uh, content, so here's your warning. I'd like to welcome some new Patreon members, especially since it's been several weeks since I've done any shoutouts as my brain is just not functioning at 100%, Um, so I apologize, guys. Thank you to John the Creepy Story Fan, Celeste S. Lawrence. Presley, Margaret H., Bethan, Katie R., K-Dog, Martin and Ludwig Forever, and Sharon E. Thank you all so much for joining. I appreciate it so much, and uh, hopefully you'll hang in there while I adjust to um, my life completely imploding. So, glad to have you. Also, a big thanks to our contributors who make this whole thing possible. User, oh shit, okay, fuck. User, witch that shit. User, toxic za. User, Alice Morgan. User, classic Reddit username. And Operation Filth. Thanks so much for sharing your stories with us. We very, very much appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you use. And uh, we'd love it if you'd head over to our YouTube and subscribe there as well. I know I've been talking about it for quite a while. But before the end of time, we will be putting some uh, additional YouTube content uh, up there. So also, if you're looking for any of the earlier episodes that uh, your podcast app might have cycled out, uh, because there's like a limit of 100 episodes uh, through my distributor, you can find those older episodes over on YouTube as well, um, if you want to listen to those. So feel free to check it out. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. This happened on December 21st, 2016. I'm a 21-year-old Canadian girl. Was 19 at the time. At this time in my life, I was pretty desperate for attention. So I went to a lot of bad dates and put myself in a lot of bad situations. So when this pretty cute guy started hitting on me, I was pretty flattered and agreed to go do some mushrooms at his place and get to know each other better. Not going into details or anything, but let's just say that was a really bad idea. So I ended up leaving his place around midnight, high as heck, with a long and cold walk to the train station ahead of me. It really didn't bother me though, to be honest. I was just happy to be out of that situation and on my way home. I also really enjoyed the cold and had done mushrooms many times by this point and was really enjoying the walk. 
It was just a straight walk of mostly residential streets until you came to a busier street that leads to downtown. It separates the residential streets from the mall that I worked at at the time, and a Wendy's that was closer to the lights where I had to cross. Just beyond the mall is the train station. You have to walk either through the mall parking lot or through a field where the old high school used to be in order to get to the train station. So I got to the lights and was waiting to cross. However, it was quite late and the light was taking what I felt like forever to change. That's when a big blue pickup truck came driving down the road away from downtown. It slowed right down as it passed me before speeding off. I probably should have sensed some danger, but my incapacitation was worried that he slowed down to let me pass and when I didn't, he left, making me think that the light wasn't going to change. I then noticed that the same blue truck had pulled around the block and was now sitting in the parking lot of the closed Wendy's. Now I realized that something was wrong. The light finally changed and I walked across the street. I planned on just walking past it and going through the mall parking lot to get to the train. I kept my head down as I walked. The man in the truck yelled something at me as I walked past. I looked up, and in my state I thought it was a regular customer of mine as I worked at that mall. I raised my arms up in the air like, Whoa, you got me. But as I approached the truck, I realized how wrong I was. This was a completely different person, and I was now at the side of his truck in an abandoned Wendy's parking lot. I just stared at him. I could feel someone staring at me from the back seat of the truck, right behind the driver's seat, but there was no one in the front passenger seat. The driver smiled and asked me things straight out of a PSA. Things like, What part of the city do you live in? And, Do you live alone? I was being polite, and actually answered his questions truthfully, because for some reason I thought he was a cop. I mean, that had to be why his questions were so forward, right? He obviously knew I was high and was trying to make sure I got home safe, right? Wrong. In a matter of maybe five minutes, he knew what part of the city I lived in, that I lived with my dad, and that I planned on taking the train home. It wasn't until he straight up asked for directions to my house that I played dumb and said that I didn't know. He kind of raised his eyebrow at me and said, So you don't know where you live? I kind of laughed and was like, Nope, I guess not. And I walked around the back of his truck, headed for the field to get out to the train station, and he pulled away. I had to cross a small street to get to the field. I noticed further down the street was the truck parked facing me, and I looked at it. It inched forward a little to make it seem like he was leaving. I turned around and kept walking. I turned around a few seconds later to see the truck still there. I put my arms in the air and yelled, I freaking see you! He then drove off as if he was going to circle around the mall. I ran into the field and pulled out my phone. I dialed 911 and paused before pressing the call. I was clearly high on drugs and there was a good chance that I wouldn't be taken seriously. I was also worried that I was going to have to take the cops back to that guy's house, as it had been where I left from, 
and where I got the drugs from. So instead, I called my dad. By the time he picked up the phone, I was crying. I explained to him what was happening, and he said to get somewhere safe and call a cab. If I had been smart, I would have taken the train a couple of stops in the wrong direction and then called the cab. I didn't. I instead went to the train station that he knew I was going to be at and called the cab. I waited there for 20 minutes. I kept peeking out to see if he was there, but I didn't see him. My cab arrived and I got in and told them where to go. I was looking behind us the entire time. Just before we made it to downtown, I noticed that a large truck was behind us, but I couldn't see the color until we turned, and the truck turned behind us. It was, of course, blue. I started freaking out, and I begged the cab to pull over. He did so reluctantly, and the blue truck slowly rolled by, and then turned the corner like he was going to drive back around the block. I yelled at the driver to start going again, and he did so, very annoyed. I finally did make it home and collapsed on my bed in tears. I didn't leave the house for two days, terrified that he was driving around my neighborhood looking for me. I did see him in his truck one more time, but it's not really worth mentioning. Please be safe, everyone. There were so many things I could have done to prevent this from happening, but I was too high and dumb to think straight. I'm Robert Crandall, host of Horror Stories Podcast. On my podcast, I read horror stories by Edgar Allan Poe, like The Telltale Heart, The Premature Burial, and others. Or H.P. Lovecraft, like Dagon, The Music of Eric Zan, The White Ship, and many others. Plus stories of horror, murder, the macabre, and ghost stories and vampire stories. Then there's the listener nightmares sent in by listeners. After listening to some of them, you'll be afraid to go to sleep. Have a nightmare you want to share with us? Send it to myhorribledream at gmail.com and I'll read it on the show. The easiest way to find the show is to search my name, Robert Crandall Podcast, or visit horrorstoriespodcast.com. I hope to be with you soon. I was really young when this happened, and I know for a fact it was before I was five. I only have some foggy memory of the event, especially because my mom at the time didn't want to freak me out. For some context, first, we have family all over the country. I remember spending so much of my childhood just on road trips from state to state to visit family, so we know our ins and outs on traveling. Two, when I was a child, I would randomly hug strangers and tell them that I loved them. I was so filled with joy and love that it just spilled over onto other people. There was basically only one stranger I never immediately latched onto the second I saw them. And this is that story. So, my mom was taking me to visit some relatives while my dad was staying at home with my brothers. She had to go house-sit, and in general is a better caretaker of me than my father, so it made sense that I went with her. 
We were driving for hours until we finally hit a rest stop and got out to use the restroom. Now there was already this guy in the parking lot and according to my mom it looked like he was watching everyone who was entering and leaving the rest stop. The second we got out of the car he did too. My mom held my hands as we headed to the restroom but immediately picked up on the fact that I let go of her hand to hold on to her other hand, the side away from the man. Now looking back, she told me that it was clear somewhere in my tiny brain that I picked up some sign of danger because I avoided that man as much as I could and would quicken my pace to the restroom and the car. I never did that with another stranger ever again. I had never blatantly avoided another adult like that. Anyway, we do our business and head back to the car, and the man had gone back to his car and watched us leave, to only then follow us in his own car. My mom immediately realized that was going on and tried to shake him off on the highway. He wouldn't budge and tried to get as close as he could. Apparently, while doing this, a semi-truck driver noticed how frantic and off she was driving and could see her looking back at his car. He realized what was going on and drove up to her side and kind of made eye contact with her, and they were on the same page from then on out. Turns out the driver called up on his radio to the other truckers and told them what was going on. A bunch of drivers from different routes nearby came onto the same highway we were traveling on. A few minutes later they began blocking out the guy's car and essentially trapping him away from my mother and as she turned onto an exit to get off the highway to another rest stop the original truck driver followed us in he got out and talked to my mom and told her he picked up what was happening asked us if we were okay and drove with us to a burger king and got us something to eat we talked and he followed us back onto the road until eventually we went our separate routes so to the guy who was probably going to try to kidnap my mom and i let's not meet the truck driver who probably saved our lives. Thank you. When you think of the Midwestern United States, what comes to mind? Strong work ethic, family-oriented, and church on Sundays. Monsters of the Midwest are two born and raised Midwestern Scorpios that are here to shed light and truth on America's heartland. We talk nature, nurture, and even the planetary alignments that paint out the gruesome timelines of the events we've come to know. What goes on inside a killer's mind? How do we get sucked into that cult? And what made that Midwestern housewife snap? Two cups murder, one half cup deception, a tablespoon of manipulation and a dash of religion are the only four ingredients you'll need for the secret family recipe for a Midwestern casserole. And like my mom always said, remember the code of the Midwest. Don't talk to strangers. Don't go anywhere alone. Lock your damn doors. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.
This happened a few months ago to my friends and I. We are university students in Cape Town, South Africa. So when we aren't trying to get through the semester, we like to let our habits get the best of us and go out for drinks. On this night, we had just finished what felt like an extra long day at university and decided to head to a bar about five minutes from campus for some much needed stress relief. The evening was going well, although a bit slow. It was enjoyable with everyone having a drink and getting a bit restless. So, me being one of the more outgoing ones in the group, I suggested we head to the pool bar not far from where we were. Everyone agrees and we get our stuff to go. We all jump in my car and we get to the bar. But being a Thursday night, parking was scarce. I finally managed to find a spot about a block away from the bar, but on a secluded side street. I should also mention that this bar is in one of the sketchier parts of town, but it's normally quite safe due to the amount of nightlife associated with being so close to the university. We walked to the bar and no one really felt uneasy, nor did anything happen to make us feel that way, which was quite surprising. After a few hours of some pool and just relaxing, we decided it was time to grab dinner before restaurants close, as being in South Africa, that means most restaurants, even fast food, close really early, at around 7 to 8 p.m. to comply with the COVID curfew. We decided to stop at the pizza place below the bar to grab some food before we decided what the plan for the end of the night was. So because our group was so large and the pizza place being so small, we decided to have those getting food go inside while the others who didn't would just wait outside on the street. This was an easy decision as the pizza place had a massive open window with a built-on counter so we could still talk to each other. This is where things started getting a little weird. While we were waiting for our friends inside the pizza place to come out, this massive white van pulls up past us and stops the driver wasn't an intimidating looking guy he was skinny looked to be about average height with shoulder long blonde hair a pretty standard looking dude for the kind of area we were in he calls at me and asks if i think his van could fit in a parking spot just behind him for perspective this parking spot could probably fit like a small hatchback maybe This dude is driving a full, long size panel van. This makes me kind of uneasy as I thought that as a driver of a car you should know where your car can definitely not fit, and this was one of them. I explained to him that I didn't think it was worth even attempting. He responds telling me that he has faith in his ability and I should come stand behind the van and direct him in. This gives me major red flags and after a few back and forths, He just pulls the emergency brake up and sits and stares at my friends and I for what felt like an eternity. He then thanked us and drove off. This sparks my friends to come outside from the pizza place as they just saw what happened. They were really confused. We all were kind of weirded out but think nothing of it and everyone eats their pizza and we try and decide what the plan is for the last hour or two we have before curfew cuts things short. Most of us decide this is where night is going to end, and we're all kind of weirded out by the guy in the van. A few others decided they were going to stay and just Uber home a little later in the evening. 
when we left the pizza place, a homeless person called us and was insisting that we had nothing to worry about with the guy in the van, which didn't help with anyone's nerves. We then decided to head to the car, but as soon as we turned the corner to approach the side street where the car was parked, we see the van man again, this time not quite so happy as he seemed in his encounter earlier. I made a cheeky comment about him finally finding a parking spot he could fit in while we were walking past each other, and he just stared at my friends and I not breaking eye contact, even when we passed him. I turned around to see if he was still looking. He was. But as we turned the corner of the side street with the car, I saw it and my heart sank. The van horribly parked half on and half off the sidewalk, the back door slightly open. Upon seeing this, I turned around and see the van man is now walking towards us, but he said something that confused me at first, but immediately made sense after. He said, Hey, please just watch my car. Which confused me, but when he said that, four men sat up from leaning on the wall next to it and began following us. My friends and I were slightly ahead of them, so we were trying to discuss the game plan because it was obvious if we did nothing, something horrible was going to happen. My friends start walking faster and I remain at the same speed, frantically searching my pockets for my car keys, all the while shouting at my friends to wait up and asking what the rush was, all in hopes that the guys behind us who were gaining on us were oblivious to us knowing they had sinister intentions. As soon as the car came into view, we booked it, jumped in and drove away but we were only seconds from not being that lucky. After locking the car doors, I saw the men surrounding the car. As I was backing out, I saw a fifth man by the van at the bottom of the street. I still have no idea what their intentions were that night, if they were to rob us or just beat us up or worse. I don't really like to think about how lucky we were that night. When you're out, no matter how innocent an interaction is with someone, Always pay attention to the little things. So to the man in the van that me and my friends saw that night, can we please not meet again? something why haven't you subscribed to class horror cast yet huh do you think i'm not gonna notice well, i see everything and i see you wetting your pants right now <laughs> the question isn't should you subscribe to class horror cast or not the question is did i just subscribe you <laughs> now enjoy the show i'll be watching This happened when I was in Venezuela during a research project there. I study conflict zones, 
so I was in one of the no-go areas in western Venezuela, according to the UK government, and lived there for just over a month. Because of the embargo, there are major food shortages, so I'd have to make the trip to town from my rural house every day to buy food, because in Venezuela, you only buy what you absolutely need in one go because everyone needs food for that day, not just you. Now, one of the major rules is don't get a taxi except from a taxi stand. So I was walking around looking for one because my usual one is closed. And I get lost. This was my first week there, and I'm lost in San Freaking Cristobal, land of ransom kidnappings of Westerners. I have red hair and very pale skin and clearly am not Venezuelan. So when I see a taxi, I hail it and jump in the thing. It's only once he gets going that I realize the entire interior of the passenger door is stripped. No handle, no window crank, no nothing. Proper Bundy style. I actually had been to see Bundy's car in DC. Then he stops and picks up two other dudes and drives in totally the wrong direction and I start swearing in Spanish and demanding he take me home. He ignored me and eventually pulled into a side alley. All I can think about is these ransomed westerners and how my mother can't pay a ransom and my university made it clear before I left on my fellowship that they would not. So I very slowly raise one side of my skirt and show them the 8 inch buck knife I have strapped to my leg and say, I have three more of these, and a gun, which was a lie, and six years of Krav Maga martial arts. I told them I was MI6, and that my government would come for me, obviously a lie, and repeat calmly that it would be a very good idea on his part to take me home. He took a deep breath, slowly put the car in gear, and complied. Never have I been so glad that my traditional Venezuelan house had bars on all the windows. This happened only a couple of months ago, so I'm still quite on edge. I had a group of friends that lived about an hour and a half away from me, and I would frequently go hang out with them. The drive never really bothered me, but after this particular night, I dread it. I first noticed the car about 20 minutes into my trip home. It was about 2am, so not many cars were on the road. This guy was practically riding my bumper which I thought was strange because there were no other cars out. I quickly wrote it off and tuned back into my music. The time on the freeway is about 55 minutes, and he was behind me the entirety of it. When I saw he was getting off at the same exit, I got a little anxious, but I told myself I was just being paranoid. I was heading home as I normally would until I noticed that this car was making every turn right behind me. I started turning down random roads to test my theory of them following me, and just as I suspected, they were trailing behind. 
I stopped going towards my house and started driving randomly, trying to think of what to do. I tried whipping down roads at the last second, but that didn't work. I was driving through red lights and stop signs because I was so scared of what would happen if I stopped. I was desperate at this point, so I called the police and told them I was being followed for over an hour. I gave them a description of the car and my location. The dispatcher told me to drive to the police station and there would be officers waiting in the parking lot. As soon as I turned into the parking lot, the car sped off. One of the police cruisers immediately flipped on their lights and followed them. I stayed at the station and gave my statement, but I never got a call or anything like that. After that night, I only drive during the day. I don't want to know what would have happened if I were to go home. I did follow up with the police station. The officer I spoke with said he wouldn't get into the details, but there was a lot of meth found in the man's car, along with sharp weapons. He's now in jail. I definitely needed that peace of mind. Sally is a lifelong family friend of my mom's, and this story happened to her. Sally would frequently visit her friends and family in Oklahoma. We live in a small town in southern Ontario, Canada. Sally would drive. Sally would drive straight 20 hours at least overnight to get from our town to another small town. She did this simply to save money, and obviously wanted to arrive as soon as she could. Now that you have my prelude, here's the story. About 30 years ago, she decided to head south on a visit. No big deal. She's done this a few times. So she packs up and heads out. At some point after driving about 14, 15 hours, she started getting pretty tired. Being that it was in the 1980s, it was a little safer. She decided that she would stop at a rest stop. It was more of a traveler's stop, my mom said, to sleep for a little bit and resume her driving first thing in the morning. She parks in a very well-lit and busy rest stop. She parks right by the lights and felt at ease because there was an abundance of travelers stopping and going. She gets out for a little bathroom break, comes back and settles in her car. About then, an RV pulls up beside her and an elderly couple get out. The man asks her about coming from Canada. They strike up a little conversation. Nothing odd. The couple talk to Sally for a bit. They tell her they are driving up from the south, going north, and just needed to have a sleep for the night. They wanted to talk because they were unsure if a rest stop was okay to stop at. But with seeing Sally there, it put them at ease. They say goodnight and good trip and the couple went back into their RV. Sally locked her doors and went to sleep. Two or three hours later, Sally woke up with a really unsettling feeling. She looks around. Nothing. A few people going in the stop. 
parking lights are all on. She assumes she's feeling bad because she's tired and a car isn't the best to sleep in. After 10 minutes or so, she said that this feeling actually got worse, and it was a jarring, queasy, uneasy feeling. She sits back and tries to shrug it off. This did not work and apparently she had every red alarm and instinct telling her that she needs to go. She panics, starts her car, and peels off. She doesn't care where, she just knew she had to get away from there. So about 20 miles down the road she finds a motel and gas station slash restaurant stop. She decides to see if she can get her room for what little money she had. She converses with the person in charge. He cuts her a deal as he doesn't want a young woman driving alone at night. She gets a key, pops in her hotel room, and sleeps for the night. No issues at all in peace. Around 9am she wakes up, showers, changes clothes, and decides to relax for a few. She turns on the TV and what was actually on it gave her chills. There was a breaking news story about an elderly couple killed in the middle of the night. The news shows the RV that Sally was parked next to. The exact spot. Exact rest stop. She seized a fast food drink cup she dropped on accident that rolled under her car. Sometime during the night, a man broke into their RV and killed them, then left. Presumably right before Sally had left. The man was never caught. Since then, she's always stopped at hotels for the night and completely avoids rest stops. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time.